Welcome to the 585 Peachtree Podcast, the South Forsyth Community's premier podcast event. Hello, happy Tuesday. Welcome to part two of our Red Ribbon Week campaign on the podcast. I'm here with Miss Parent. Hello. So we're going to go right into it. We're going to just talk about drug use and alcohol use and just some of the misconceptions about that and how they affect people. So what are some of the misconceptions of drug use and drug users and how do you think that this impacts our efforts to reduce drug use? I think because of some of the media that we have, we all have this like stereotypical um, picture in our heads of what drug users look like. Like we have the stereotypical like potheads wearing like little hats over their heads and like the t-shirts, the graphic tees um, and like baggy jeans and stuff. And we have like the stereotypical thought of like crackheads, like being homeless on the street with their crack pipes. But the reality of what our nation sees right now is that um, many of illegal drug users are people who hold regular jobs um, and are using the drugs to get through those jobs. Um, And this impacts our efforts to reduce drug users because we we see that everybody 
is not really equal. And we sometimes treat drug prevention programs as if everybody is equal. But in reality, different ha- people have different risks percentages for becoming a drug user. And we have to identify what puts you at a bigger risk. So for example, if you have a family member with substance use disorder, or you grow up in a home with alcohol or drug use, that increases your risk tremendously. If you have a history of trauma, especially as a child, that increases your risk um, tremendously. If you have have already have problems with addictions that are not drug related or have mental health conditions, um, particularly depression and anxiety, um, those also contribute to drug use because oftentimes people self-medicate. And that's what we see more is that it's normal everyday people that you see interacting in their jobs, um, interacting at school, students who are presidents of National Honor Society um, that are the ones using because they're self medicating to help cope with the stressors of daily life. A story for that is in my hometown, my senior year of high school, I was in National Honor Society and we had drug dogs come suddenly in the middle of the day and our president and vice president of National Honor Society were the ones caught with weed in their cars. Um, And so like you again, you have these preconceived notions of like, oh, it's the stoner kids. But really especially in today's day and age with things like vapes and opioid misuse, the people who are using are not that stereotype anymore. It's essentially pretty much anybody who doesn't have healthy coping mechanisms um, that go down can go down this path and it's pretty easy to get there. So how have drugs and drug abuse affected you in your life? Because I know you've talked to our class about this kind of stuff before. So I just really wanted to explore that a little more. So do you know anybody who's been touched by this? And how far did the reach of this like abuse actually extend in your life? Yeah. So um, my hometown is so well known for its drug use problem that there is a movie made about my hometown. It's called Beneath the Harvest Sky. You can watch it on Amazon Prime. And it was recorded. It was actually filmed in my hometown um, because the drug uh, trade is so bad. The trafficking is so bad in my hometown. We are, I, I'm from the border of, um, of Canada in the state of Maine. And um, it has affected my entire life. Um, my brother is an opioid addict and he started using in as a teenager um, when he was in high school. And essentially a good part of his peer group um, were were users as well. Um, My niece is currently, my niece is seven years old. She's currently being raised by my mom, um, her grandmother, and my stepfather because um, my brother cannot Um, he, even though he is sober now, um, he cannot raise her full time himself because of all of the struggles he still has with addiction. And her mom has been in jail in and out of jail over the years because she is, um, an opioid and a meth addict, um, and is currently in federal prison. My niece has been raised essentially since she was 10 months old by, by her grandparents. It has also affected me. A lot of my friends growing up were, um, marijuana users. That's what they used, um, for coping mechanisms. Um, I watched my brother struggle with the opioid addiction throughout my high school experience. And then my uncle, two years ago, it'll be two years in November, my uncle um, actually passed away. He overdosed. Um, He was a chronic pain sufferer his entire life. He had Crohn's disease, which is an inflammatory bowel disorder. And he used pain medication to cope with the tremendous amount of pain that he was in. And unfortunately, he overdosed with a combination of fentanyl um, and some prescription opioids. And so it's been a big part of my, my life and a big part of my family, which is why I'm always happy to uh, 
to talk about Red Ribbon Week. And, and if you take my class in human anatomy and physiology, I talk all about it. Um, in the nervous system, we do a whole day on drugs. If you take epidemiology with me, um, I do a whole population health unit on the opioid crisis that we're in. I also have friends that have overdosed and died and passed away, especially with the new fentanyl problems that we're having. Um, so it is, it is part of my everyday life at all times. So what I hear from a lot of this is we have been targeting people who really we think are doing this kind of stuff for fun, but you hear it's a lot of it dealing with like pain and um, what people are feeling. So what do you think are the biggest issues facing people and like students and teens that may push them towards drugs and alcohol? I think 100% stress and pressures. My brother started using because he had social anxiety. And so he had a really hard time communicating with people in social situations. Um, and so trying to like talk to people in like a party um, or with a group of friends, he would get really nervous. He was bullied tremendously um, as, as a kid. And so, you know, this new kid came into town and he had, you know, marijuana and alcohol and he accepted my brother. And my brother was like, hey, like I'm finally being accepted. And when I do this... I have an easier time socializing with people. And unfortunately, we don't provide enough healthy coping mechanisms sometimes to our youth. And so when they're stuck and they have nowhere else to turn, unfortunately, this is where they turn and they don't realize they're setting themselves up for the rest of their lives. My brother didn't take his first Valium or his first Percocet knowing that, hey, 16 years later, I'm still going to be addicted and I'm going to be struggling every day and I'm going to have to be on a Suboxone medical program because my brain is so sick that I literally cannot get up in the morning and function without prescription medication anymore. He didn't think that as a 14-year-old. And our teenagers don't think that. They don't think that that's going to be their life for the rest of their life. They're just in the moment and they're like, hey, I'm really stressed out because I'm taking five AP classes um, or I have this friend group like this or my parents expect me to get into Georgia Tech. And um, and then a lot of times what also happens is societal norms is like you go to a party and everybody else is doing it and you just want to fit in. Um, unfortunately, it's also seen as fun to a lot of kids and because they don't see those long-term um consequences either. So what is a message that you would like to give to those people who are currently using drugs or alcohol and how can friends or family members actually like reach out and help them? And I mean, even what could schools do to try and fix this? Like we have Red Ribbon Week, but I'm sure there are other ways that maybe people could step in. Um, I think anybody who is currently using and you don't think it's a big deal, it's a big deal. Um, I think the first step is over always, it's always admitting to yourself like, hey, I'm doing this because there's a bigger problem at hand. There's an underlying problem where I'm filling this hole in me using this because I can't cope with this situation or I can't deal with this situation. And so you really have to look at what is driving your use of this. Um, and you need to get help. You have to admit it to yourself and reach out to somebody. People are always willing to help. Um, we have wonderful counselors here who are always willing to help. You can come see me at any time. My room's 489. Come talk to me. Um, and I'll hook you up with one of the counselors and you can talk about it with them. We also have a phenomenal, um, social worker at school, Mr. Naran. He's wonderful and great. Um, if you are a friend who knows somebody who is using talk, I think the biggest thing to them is communication is because a lot of time people are using because they feel alone um, and they feel alone with their troubles. And so when you encourage, but don't enable them. So 
invite them to, to different activities. If you see that they're struggling and always hanging out with the wrong peer group or hanging out with the wrong people that are going to encourage that, um, encourage them to seek help. Honestly, I wish that everybody would watch 11 Alive um, has a special called The Triangle, has a part one and part two. And um, I think it's a reality check for this entire area because it talks about the the triangle that we are in in the northern suburbs of Atlanta um, and how we have a serious issue with because of the high pressures of the students in this area wanting to go to different schools and taking all the extracurriculars and taking all of the classes, um, that they are one of the number one users of heroin and opioids right now um, in, in the state. Um, and the amount of overdose deaths because of that um, – in the part two, 11 Alive, it follows a student who's actually, who was actually a student at Lambert. Um, and so these are connections to coming to Forsyth County. Um, and you can see it talks about getting help and it talks about the problem that we have. And it talks about how it is your normal everyday student, um, the president of the club and the National Honor Society kid and the kid who's involved in everything. And it's not those stereotypes. Um, so just be open, listen to your friends, um, encourage them. Go to adults for help if you don't know what to do. Um, we're always help it, willing and help, uh, happy to help. Um, and and don't kind of throw this under the rug. Don't say it's not a big problem. Oh, it's just vaping. Well, vaping's addictive. And once you start with one addictive thing, it can lead to another. Like I said, my brother never thought that just by that first joint, that first pill, that he would then spend the next 20 years struggling with um, addiction it takes hold of you and you don't have control of it, especially if you're one of those higher at risk people. So thank you so much for being here and for sharing these things with us. Um, please make sure to tune in to Wednesday's podcast and they're going to be talking um, more about what you can do to help and ways to help yourself as well. And um, some good coping mechanisms for people who may actually be affected by this. Go Selfie Sense!